Welcome to Doctors at Work. My name is Matt Daniel and this podcast is about doctors' careers. Today I'm having a conversation with Zaid Al-Najjar. Zaid is the medical director of the NHS Practitioner Health and he's a GP also. He tells me what the NHS Practitioner Health Service is, we discuss the challenges faced by doctors when accessing mental health support and he shares his top tips both for seeking help and for being a good colleague at work. I hope it's useful. Welcome, Zaid. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so my name is Zaid Al-Najjar. I'm, um, I'm a GP by background and um, I'm based in London and I'm also medical director of NHS Practitioner Health. Tell me a bit more about NHS Practitioner Health. Okay, uh, so NHS Practitioner Health, for those of you who haven't heard of it, we are a free and confidential NHS service, which was set up originally in 2008, specifically um, for doctors and dentists, because it was identified that they had significant barriers to accessing uh, mental health treatment and care. Um, So since 2008, when it was set up as a small pilot project it's since expanded and now it's a, a national service operating um, across England um, and also Scotland. So we um, we treat doctors, dentists and um, other healthcare professionals where there is a barrier to them accessing confidential mental health care. What, what kind of barriers do people face? So uh, very very commonly, people don't often think about these barriers to, uh, for for healthcare professionals. But medicine and healthcare is a small world, and people often know each other professionally or personally. They might have studied or trained together, or they might work with each other, or know someone who knows someone who knows them. Um, so confidentiality and fear of um, fear of other people knowing what your um, issues are um, is a real barrier. Um, so, for example, you might. Uh, play tennis with your GP or you might have gone to medical school with your GP and you might not want to go to your GP um, to say that you're feeling particularly anxious or that you've you've suffered some sort of trauma. There's a lot of stigma attached to mental health conditions still um, and um, stigmatisation of those conditions is another barrier to to healthcare um, practitioners accessing mental health care. Um, and also the logistic aspects of it. So people are often moving around, particularly in training grades, moving um, hospitals, organisations, working shifts. So actually accessing accessing um, health care can be can be difficult logistically. So there are a number of um, a number of uh, main barriers. Yeah. Um, what's um, what are your thoughts about how we as a profession can be better at challenging the stigma around mental health? So I think talking about it, a conversation is important. And I think the um, advent of social media has really helped that. And a lot of people have, uh, I suppose, come forward and told their story um, in the media and in social media. So I think um, give it, giving it um, a place in everyday conversation is important. And that the medical profession, I, I, I suppose in particular, accept that mental health conditions are um, are part and parcel of um, the human condition. So everyone at, at, at points in their lives will struggle uh, with adversity and some people uh, become ill with it or um, are predisposed to become mentally ill with it. Then there's no shame in that. So I think um, it should be. Uh, it shouldn't be seen necessarily as a weakness, um, but it's part and parcel of 
of um, being human. So I think talking about it, the medical profession changing its culture a bit and acceptance that these things are part and parcel of real life, um, that they that and that um, uh, they they should be given the space to be addressed when they occur. Because I think statistically speaking, as a profession, we're probably more likely to have an awful lot of those kind of problems than the general public. Yeah. So um, off the top of my head, I can't give you a, a, a statistic uh, per se, but we do know that um, I can I can talk specifically about doctors are um, at more risk of suffering from mental health disorders such as depression and anxiety um, than the general public. So are dentists and uh, they are also at a higher risk of completing suicide, particularly female um, doctors, um, two to three times that the risk of the general public. So we know that they that there is um, there is a higher risk of suffering from those issues than, than the, 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 general, the, the layman. And you, your service then it, it is super useful um, to deal with those kind of um, um, issues. Um, have you got sort of any idea how how many people do does your service help typically? Do you know? So we've just entered our fifteenth uh, year of operation. So last week we celebrated our fifteenth birthday, um, and we have seen over twenty seven thousand. Uh, patients in that time and so it's grown exponentially in the last few years and since uh, since the pandemic so um this this uh this year we've seen between six and seven thousand patients and when we when we started in 2008 i think it was about i think it was about 50 in yeah. the year so it's it's grown wow. massively wow and what what kind of problems do people bring um so the Number one contender always, always is anxiety. So I think as a profession, um, I think a degree of anxiety is helpful uh, because it makes you, uh, it, you're almost on the alert all the time for looking out for things that go wrong or errors or um, harm that may come someone's way. So I think it's a, it's almost a, a quality to be predisposed to, to being anxious. But anxiety is the number one mental health condition that we see a lot of. Um and also uh, burnout uh, features quite a lot, um, low mood and depression. Increasingly over the last few years, we've seen more people coming uh, to um, to obtain treatment for trauma. Um, and, um, and then dealing with everyday life, life adversity, as I said before, so people may, um, may just be going through a particularly difficult time in their life. So, um, at work or difficult bereavement or um, multiple bereavements or caring for um, family or members who are very ill and they just need some support with their mental health because it can it can result in um, in uh, an abnormal reaction to to adverse life events so we're there to support those people too we've got particular expertise in helping uh, professionals um, with the interface with the medical regulator or the healthcare regulators. Um, so uh, if we're particularly um, concerned to help those who are subject to regulatory investigation or monitoring, um, particularly when it impacts on their health or features health health issues. Uh, so that's it. That's it in a, in a nutshell in terms of what we treat. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested, maybe I'll, I'll pick anxiety first of all and um, 
um, yes, I, I can see that we're all predisposed to that because it's 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 good, isn't it? In some ways, where if there's always a bit of you that sort of says, you know, are, are you sure? Is this the right thing? Should you ask for a second opinion? Should you do a bit more reading? You know, I I, I can see that that's a really helpful um, characteristic um, um, for all of us. Um, I mean, what what would be your top tips for how people might manage anxiety so that it's helpful rather than destructive? So I think recognising that you uh, might just generally, people talk about being an anxious person. Um, and I, I suppose, I, I don't, ne- don't know necessarily that that's true, I think, but I think recognising that when it is you become anxious, so no, just noticing in the first um, it's what's going on with, in you at the moment, what, how are you feeling, what's happening, um, are you feeling anxious? If you're feeling anxious, why do you think that is? And it's generally keeping a bit of a a, a, a score or a diary, not a diary, you can keep a diary, but a um, a, a marker on how often that's happening. So it's normal. Anxiety, feeling anxious is, again, normal, a normal part of the human condition. But if you're anxious all the time and it becomes pathological, so it, stop, it stops you doing things or it affects your daily function, impacts your sleep or appetite or um, a as I said, ability to function, then that's when you probably need to seek advice from um, a professional. Um, but I think just be becoming aware of what, when you're anxious, thinking about what might be prompting it, what can you do to get, tackle that? Um, and acceptance, accepting that anxiety often just comes and will pass. Mm-hmm. What about burnout? You, you mentioned that's another big reason why people come. So what, what would be your advice for doctors, maybe both for preventing burnout and for dealing with it once it happens? Burnout is complicated because it's not actually, uh, there's no clinical diagnosis of burnout and it's not more of an occupational, uh, uh, an occupational um, uh, condition. Uh, but burnout does, it is something that people do talk about a lot. There is, there are various surveys you can, you can, um, questionnaires you can do yourself online the bma for example offer one to um to to kind of judge whether or not you are or break your level of burnout whether you are burnt out or not but i think the main the main features of burnout are really um one of the main things is a loss of empathy and a loss of interest in in the patient withdrawal um feeling feeling tired uh not wanting to do things that you would usually do um Maybe becoming more irritable generally. There are lo- there's lots of overlap with um, depression and uh, burnout. They're not quite the same, um, but I think if you're you're noticing in yourself or a colleague that 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 there's a change in behaviour um, and that might, for example, result in a change in practice. So you might find that people complain more or or, um, uh, or there are comments about that person. Then I think it's it's probably worth a conversation about it uh, with them. So you're not just turning a blind eye to it. Um, and in yourself, what can you do? Again, um, check, in to your, check in with yourself regularly. How are you feeling? Um, is it a good day? Is it a bad day? Are you having more bad days than good days? Um, how are you feeling about work? Um, taking some time, I think, after you see patients to um, housekeep, as they say, they teach you in general practice, housekeeping, looking after yourself after you've had particularly difficult consultations. Um, and if you are struggling, then yes, yeah, speak to someone again um, about it. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned that um, sometimes a colleague will notice burnout 
in another person. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about how how we can be better colleagues when it comes to helping each other deal with burnout? So I think um, it's very uh, it's very easy to ask someone how they are and accept the first "I'm fine, thanks." How are you? And I think that's very that's part and parcel of British uh, culture is how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And um, you often hope that the person does say fine, thank you, and that's that is what's culturally accepted. Because if they say actually I'm not so good, um, people don't often know what to do with that. So I think the question how are you? And if, actually, if you're not convinced, um, uh, curiosity is helpful. Being curious about the other person, your colleague, how they are. If actually, things don't don't seem quite the case, and persist. You know, how are you really? Or giving them an opening so actually it's been a quite quite a difficult day or it's been a difficult week because of such and such a reason I don't know funding has been cut or um, someone's off sick or and it might give them a bit of an opening into allowing them to to talk about what might be troubling mm-hmm. troubling them so I think just being um, looking after each other really um, mm-hmm. being a bit just just checking in with each other regularly so I don't know if you've heard of uh, Professor Neil Greenberg, so he's a psychiatrist who did a lot of trauma um, uh, trauma uh, research and, and work, and um, he found that in Afghanistan, soldiers who had a uh, a boss or a manager who was who checked in with them regularly to find out how they were doing did uh, better mentally, far, far better mentally than those who didn't have what was perceived as a supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, boss or manager so it is those small things which i think are important mm-hmm. so so be, being curious caring for your colleagues you know having an attitude of caring and curiosity and and creating opportunities for people to open up because it's quite difficult isn't it to open up yeah it can be difficult and also you know that it's not easy to do that when you may not be feeling 100% yourself you know you've had bad, uh, you've had a long day yourself the last thing you want to do is probably hear about someone else's um uh, difficulties but i think sharing it, sharing those experiences is really helpful in practice and um spaces to allow clinicians uh, to come together to talk about their experiences and how it's making them feel um, is really helpful. So you'll often find that the organisations which function really well and say the general practices which function really well are those that um, maintain a sense of uh, community in the practice. So they they make sure that regular get-togethers are uh, a part of past of the day. So they meet for coffee, they meet for lunch, that despite how the, the, the those are fixed, um, those are fixed things because sharing is important of experiences in a day and you know humans are humans you're, you're social we're social animals yeah and it's always sad that often those things are the first things to go when we're busy but, to go. yeah but the reality is that they are they're essential for longevity because you know we can exactly. be busy today and tomorrow but in 10 years time there won't be anybody left because you know yep. all of us will be burnt out so exactly. so those social team activities group activities you know they they're they're an investment into longevity of of ourselves and the NHS yeah yeah exactly um it's you can medicine or healthcare can be quite lonely and um it, particularly if you work as a, a for example in general practice you can often go a whole day or a dentist even without speaking to anyone but um but a patient or perhaps reception or the dental nurse that you're working with so um it's important um 
particularly it, it, particularly in primary care. I think it's in secondary care. There's it's a bit easier because you've got a team around you a lot of the time, and um, mm. there are always lots of people that you, you you might have a bit of banter with. But um, I think it's important to keep that um, because it's one of the reasons people go to work. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so let's say that, you know, if you are a doctor who finds um, themselves, you know, with any of the issues that you've outlined, um, what what can they do about them? So it very much depends on where you are um, and what kind of um, work you are. So oh, there are different offers for different groups of healthcare workers. There is always help out there. Number one, of course, um, is your GP. Uh, you can always seek help from your GP. Um, there's also local talking therapies available all across uh, across the country. You just need to, uh, you could a quick Google search, um, finding out about how to access talking therapy uh, will give you uh, give you that. Um, then specifically, for example, doctors, uh, BMA run a counselling service um, that they can access. The, RC, uh, the RCN for nurses also offer a counselling service for those members, uh, the Royal College of Nursing. Um, for uh, for trainees, it's worth checking out what's what's um, available via your deanery because uh, they will often be their professional support units, and they will have vast experience in dealing with trainees who are who have been dealing with um, difficult times, whatever that reason. Um, and uh, there are during COVID, the um, NHS England commissioned over forty mental health and wellbeing hubs across the country to to allow staff to access free and confidential mental health care sadly um the funding's not available for many of those hubs but some are still open it's worth um worth checking whether that your yours is lo open locally and then of course nhs practitioner health so um we are here um for as i said doctors and dentists and those who um may find would find it difficult to access confidential mental health and addiction support elsewhere because of their role and how do people access you Self-referral. So it's very easy online. Uh, you just go to our website, Google NHS Practitioner Health, and there's a, a self-referral form that you can uh, complete. And it takes a bit of time. Uh, we ask a lot of questions because we, we want we want to know more about what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fairly easy. And if you have any difficulty filling that form out, then our patient services team would, will, would be happy to help. And then my final question, Zaid, what would be your top tips for doctors at work? So um, I think we talked a lot about checking in with each other. So one of, again, um, I, I, this is Professor Neil Greenberg um, talking about buddying up with people is really is really helpful. And that's something we're trying to implement, implement actually with that practitioner health with new new staff members. So buddying them up with with um, other clinicians because um, it's really helpful for one to check for people to check on each other. Just at the end of the day, how's it gone? What you know, issues? Um, that that's really that's a nice thing, and I think particularly maybe for trainees to to do would be to buddy up with another trainee um, that you're working with and just check in on each other and attend to your basic needs. So um, Maslow's triangle: so eat, eat, eating, sleeping, um, just looking after yourself. Often go out the window um, quickly when if you're becoming stretched uh, at work work is often the last thing to go when with doctors we found off they can be operating okay at work but be just be a wreck at home so just attending to your your everyday well well-being mental health well-being needs at home 
keeping active, keeping socially engaged, and making sure you have a life outside of outside of work. There is more to life than um, uh, than being at work and passing exams. So, I, th- I think those are my top tips. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Zaid. It's a pleasure.